Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth on Muddied Waters Media. Boys and girls, we are back. Friday night special episode with me, Mr. Merka, the Bearded Truth. Who would have thought? Who would have guessed? Well, here we are. I'm so excited to be here. I hope you guys are as well. I've got one hell of a show lined up for you guys tonight uh, because the whole nation's talking about it. Abortions. Is it right? Is it wrong? Should we legislate on it? How do we move forward as a nation? And how... What should the culture look like? Well, of course, we've got some libertarian answers for you, which means that it doesn't fit neatly into the pro-choice, doesn't fit neatly into the pro-life side of things. But I am so excited to sit down with the Libertarian Party candidate for governor of Oklahoma, Natalie Bruno, today or tonight. Uh, it's going to be an incredible show. You're not going to want to miss this. So thank you, of course, to everyone for joining in and for tuning in, for sharing this out, for liking it, for dropping your comments. I see you. Mercy. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. So special episode. I'm excited. Hope you guys are. But I want to give first a, a big thanks to Matt and Spike for continuing to give me a platform to come out here and talk to you guys and, and give you guys my views and everything else, as well as being able to let me use uh, amazing people like Natalie Bruno to come talk with. Uh, thank you to Brian Scott Lambrick and Jenny for the intro that we use on every episode of Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. And uh, of course, thank you guys. Whether you guys are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Float, Odyssey, I said float. All right. If you're on any of those watching the stream live, thank you so much for that. If you guys are listening to this after the fact on the podcast, thank you so much for that. Um, of course, if you guys want to lean in and you guys want to help out the Muddy team, you can head on over to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe. And by doing so, what you'll be doing is you'll be getting exclusive content. All of these episodes, instead of just having to listen to the podcast, you'll be able to open up on Spotify. You'll be able to watch these podcasts on your phone, wherever you go, whatever time. So you don't have to go into Facebook or YouTube and give us views there. You could do this from your Spotify app. You'll be able to see those videos. Every episode is going to be on video format. Um, you'll also be getting it the other exclusive content, such as Muddied america if you haven't seen those episodes it's always fantastic with me and matt sitting down you'll also be a part of the muddied zoom so once a month you'll be able to sit down with spike cohen matt wright and myself when i can get on there and and hang out for an hour on a zoom call always a good time always worth the couple lattes that cost a month um so head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied waters slash subscribe to get in on that and of course big thank you to kelsey lion designs who this is somebody who I, I will love and adore for the rest of my days, um, not just for who she is, but also for the work that she's done. And she has worked on so many different campaigns for different uh, events in different markets. She will revolutionize the way that you look. She will help you with your logos, your branding, your business cards, your publications, whatever it is in your graphic designs needs. Kelsey line will take care of you. So head on over to KelseyLionDesigns.com. Use the code uh muddy waters and she'll be give you a nice discount 
Also, big thank you to Nug of Knowledge. If you guys are looking to get a little knowledge, get a little nug and have a little love, head on over to nugofknowledge.com. Use the code BEARDEDTRUTH and you'll be able to get 10% off. You will love what you get. I guarantee it. And I want to just thank each and every one of you guys once again. But if you guys wouldn't mind, help me welcome on the one and only, the amazing Libertarian Party's candidate for governor in Oklahoma, Natalie Bruno. Natalie, how are you doing tonight? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So, special episode, we get to sit down and we get to talk about the thing that nobody likes talking about. Um, Everyone likes to scream, yell, and shout at each other. Um, But, you know, just from our pre-show, I I know that things are going to go quite well. I'm, I'm so excited for today's conversation. But before we get into that, I want to know, Natalie, what's been going on over there in Oklahoma for your campaign? How's everything been going? And then we can dive in a little bit to, to what's going on there first before we get into the national stuff. Yeah, well, every time I'm on your show and I see your plug-in for your wife, I always feel like I have to also mention that uh, Kelsey is amazing and also did my logo and stuff as well. So in honor of her, my background today is actually a stamp and repeat she did for a um, for a banner of mine that I use at my um, tabling events and stuff like that. So Kelsey is really fantastic. Um, outside of that, you know, my race has been going fantastic. We just finished filing season in April. So we finally have uh, official candidates um, on the roster, so to speak. So I was lucky that I had the entire support of the Libertarian Party of Oklahoma and every other candidate. Uh, so I'm not primaried. I get the uh, I get to go straight through to the general election um, on November 8th. But we will have primaries for the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, it's shaking up to be a really interesting race, not only just because of our uh, our dynamic here in Oklahoma, but you know everything that's been going on. You know, obviously, everybody's talking about the leaked um, information about the overturn of Roe versus Wade. But here in Oklahoma, uh, we've had two pieces of legislation over the last several weeks, one um, earlier this week and one um, last month that had to do with abortion as well. And so it's been shaking things really interesting for my campaign because of the fact that even though I personally am uh, pro-life, I believe in pro-choice when it comes to uh, keeping the government out of those decisions and based on how things are going with the other candidates. So the, um, you know, typically this is a strong democratic stance, but the Democrat that is um, looking to win that seat, Joy Hoffmeister, she actually was a flipped Republican that said she was only running as a Democrat because um, the incumbent has uh, taken over the party. And even though right now she's pretty much saying the same thing as me, which is I'm pro-life, but I'm letting other people make decisions. That's actually completely contradictory to a lot of statements she put out when she was running as a Republican. So Mm -hmm. it looks like I might be the only um, women's right and anti-government out of women's health candidate that's going to be on the general election ballot in November. So it's it's uh, shaking up to be um, really interesting. I'll say that. So are you saying that potentially this leaker or the Roe versus Wade was just there to help you and your campaign? That's a, a I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like as horrible as it is, um, it, it is kind of almost shaking up to be that way because I, you know, we, we know as libertarians, we have no problem standing up for beliefs that we believe in, no matter how right or wrong they might seem to uh, libert- or, uh, to Democrats and Republicans. So it just so happens that this stance this time 
is going to propel me ahead of the other two candidates. So oh, that's incredible. Um, now you mentioned that you had two bills there in Oklahoma. Did you want to briefly talk about those a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So there was um, Senate Bill 612, which essentially what it did was it made it a felony to uh, conduct a abortion. So like a doctor or anything like that. Um, I believe it's up to 10 years and $100,000 of a fine. And then um, the newest one, which is Senate Bill 1503, made it illegal to have an abortion past six weeks. Oh, wow. And it also had the same snitch law written into it that Texas had, which basically gives $10,000 to um, individuals that snitch on somebody else that's performing abortions. So it's it's a really unfortunate thing, especially considering um, the average amount of weeks along that a woman is before she even finds out that she's pregnant is about five and a half weeks. And then due to, in a lot of states, you know, and here as well, there's a lot of built-in things where you can't get an abortion the same day that you go to the clinic or you know, you have to go through certain things before you're even allowed to have an abortion. So you're basically forcing it out of even possibility, even if you do find out, you know, beforehand. So um, there's some a lot of, you know, crazy things about it. And I wish that things were as easy as people like to say it is, which is just, you know, oh, you're murdering babies or oh, this, but it is not a black and white issue. There's so yeah. much gray so much gray, which is why I, as a personally pro-life individual, believe that the government needs to stay out of it because there's just, there's too much gray areas in between. Yeah, definitely. And and it looks like for both of those bills, um, what it encourages is, is for if you're wealthy enough, you just leave the state, you go get it done and, and you're fine if you're person lower in the income scale or don't have uh, don't have the ability. Well, it sucks to suck, and and no doctor is going to want to, you know, perform these abortions, and and you know, yeah, we're penalizing on... the poor like usual. Exactly, and and for the six week thing, I mean, you know, I don't want to get into my wife's personal health too much, but you know, after heart surgery, her schedule fluctuates quite a bit, and you know, she's gone seven weeks before, so we wouldn't have even had a sign there to say, hey, you know, you're pregnant. Uh, thankfully, you know, we haven't been put into that circumstance, but I'm sure that we're not just an isolated case where, you know, there are plenty of women out there that have irregular cycles to where by the time that they have confirmation that they're pregnant, they're already beyond that six week ban. So it, it feels almost like um, it feels like uh, from from the outside, at least that people are just would rather win on the legislative side rather than actually you know, care the kind of like what you were saying. It's not just a black and white thing. It's there's so many different details that that legislators and lawmakers just ignore entirely. Um, well, not only that, but if you think about it, I feel like a lot of the pro-life materials that I'm seeing out there or arguments really paint women who get abortions out to be these floozies that are just running around having unprotected sex. And, you know, that's not the case. Actually, you know, I, there's always things that we hear, but I like to dig in and be like, okay, what's really the statistic on that? Yes. And I pulled up some stuff about how um, like 59% of women actually already have at least one child. Um, you know, 73% of the reasons of abortion are actually financial. You know, it has nothing to do with the fact of, oh, uh, you know, I'm just an unmarried person that had sex. You know, 
these are women who already have children. You know, they didn't want to have additional children because of the fact that they, um, you know, could, they already know they can't afford it. And obviously, typically, it's the more conservative side that is against abortion, but they're also against welfare. So you're having these situations where you're, you have women who can't afford to fly out of state to have abortions, who are already saying the reason they wanted to have an abortion is because they know they can't afford it. But by golly, if they keep their baby and they ask to be on welfare, you're shaming them for why are you popping out all these kids when you know you can't afford it. And then on top of that, we fail to recognize or realize that birth control and getting a tubal litigation and stuff is not as easy to get as we like to proclaim it is. You know, for myself even, you know, within the state of Oklahoma, these Christian um, hospitals, they do not allow tubal litigations. So whenever I had my fourth child and I wanted to have a tubal done, I couldn't even have it during my C-section. I had to have a completely separate appointment to go in and outpatient surgery just to have a tubal. So it's like, hey, so we're going to fault you for not wanting to have a pregnancy, but all these things that you can do as a woman to prevent pregnancy, we're going to either make it very difficult for you to do, or we're going to make it to where your husband has to sign off on it, or we're going to tell you, no, we're not going to do it because you don't have any children yet, and you might change your mind. And then even when it comes to birth control, you can't just go to a pharmacy and buy birth control like men can buy condoms. It doesn't work that way. It's so much more complicated, you know, than we're making it out to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that 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 point of you have to get your husband's permission. You have to get a permission slip. Oh, daddy, can I please have my uh, my tubes tied? It's just like that. that that's not we are working there's so much of the system that works against everybody against men and women in this country from being able to make decisions for their own life and then when circumstances arise where you have married women who are having consensual sex with their husbands protected sex and doing all the right things and they're still you know they still accidentally have a kid and they're not, you know, just like you said, they don't have the financial means to take care of them. Now they're stuck in this this pit where they get looked down upon for not being able to afford their lifestyle or they get looked down upon for trying to make a, a financial decision of not having a kid. And and so there's it's only a lose-lose situation for so many people that it, it I guess it should be expected with kind of the um just kind of the views that political people typically have of the rest of the population. If you don't live the life the the way that I say that you do, then you're just destined to mess up and, and, you know, no sympathy, no care, no, no, no response at all. Um, and go ahead. Even with that, you know, another argument is here, we hear is, Oh, well, you can always put the child up for, you know, adoption. Well, the issues with that is number one, it's a lot harder. If you're an individual that didn't want to have a child, once you are actually carrying out a pregnancy, now you are visibly pregnant to your family members, to other you know people in society, and the negative effects of being a person that puts up their child for adoption is almost as bad as putting your is, is getting an abortion. To be honest with you, and then especially when you go into terms of like I can only mostly speak to my state, and I, I like to remind people as well, you know. I have a blended family of my own. I birthed four kids. I have two stepsons. I would be willing to bet I probably spend more volunteer hours per week 
in the realm of children than any other politician that I know of in my state. I was recognized last year for my service to children, um, you know, by winning the uh, Judge Nan Patton Award. So I spend a ton of time dealing with children who are in a situation where they've been removed from homes and stuff like that. And to see the amount of children currently without having a strict abortion bans that are not being adopted, you know, are sitting in the foster care system, which I would like to remind everybody that 48% of children who exit out of the foster system say they have been either physically or sexually abused. Okay. So we have these situations. And then on top of that, you know, we're not even talking about the fact that these bills don't even cover when there's something medically wrong with the baby. You know, like, let's say that a child is going to be, you know, severely mentally handicapped and, you know, not be able to live a normal life. A normal pregnancy would allow for a woman to have tests done and then make that determination. And if they know that, you know, it takes a special person to be a parent to a severely special needs child. And not having that ability to abort that pregnancy, you're going to force them to carry out a pregnancy that they are going to put that child up for adoption that nobody will adopt because nobody wants to adopt children with disabilities. Right now, any given day, you know, we are at a negative of 75 homes that are needed, homes, not children, homes that are needed for fostering special needs children. And whenever it comes to adopting special needs children, that doesn't happen, you know, and you know, the expenses around it. So if we're talking about 73% of people are choosing abortion because they can't afford, you know, I pulled some numbers and in the state of Oklahoma, on average, we had about 4,780 abortions. Okay. So if we take 73% of those and say that, you know, those people, it was for financial reason reasons, that's 3,489 additional people that could essentially be on welfare. So, you know, if you take into the average cost of welfare in our state for a child, that totals up to almost $67 million additional that taxpayers are going to have to pay to fund children if they even stay at the home. But let's talk about abuse even. In the state of Oklahoma, child abuse is the highest than any other state in the United States. So we're going to take these people who didn't want to have children, force them to have children. And so either they're going to end up in the system, they're going to end up abused, or they're going to end up waiting for homes where there's not enough people to adopt them. So it's a lose, 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 lose situation. Yes. And, and you mentioned the adoption, um, just the mindset. So I was adopted before birth. I am one of the fortunate kids out there. So, um, through my birth mother, um, was married to a man, got, they, they separated for a little bit. She got pregnant and then went back to her, her husband and he says, it's not my kid. I'm not going to raise them. So I, she had the option of either A, abort me, or B, put me up for adoption. Thankfully, her sister came along and, and her and her husband adopted me. And so that's my my mother and father. I am incredibly lucky for that. Um, you know, and, and this isn't to say like a, abortion is the wrong thing. It's, it's, it's just saying that was what the path forward was. I am incredibly fortunate for the path that was given to me. By having somebody adopt me before birth, if I, if that wasn't the circumstance, um, that you know, how long would I have been in, in you know going from home to home? How long would it have been until I was adopted? And and thankfully, you know, um, other than maybe just being a libertarian, I'm I'm normal otherwise. So 
there there's a there's a large struggle there to begin with and my camera doesn't want to focus on me anymore but um there's a large struggle there and listening to my birth mother now that I, I i learned who she was and i've had built a relationship with her the mindset of somebody who gives their kid up for adoption is just as difficult as somebody who goes through abortion this isn't these things are not something that that come lightly for anybody she saw me about eight months after i was born and it was so incredibly hard for her to give me up after then um these these are decisions that shouldn't be made lightly and they aren't but these are not ones that should be made a decision by a pen of a legislator that do, that has never cared about you never known your name or anything about your life these are things that have to come down to individual choices mm-hmm. absolutely and you know not only in regards to that yeah you're a fuzzy camera <laughs> super super distracting Um, but you know, that's, I guess, one of the things that just kind of angers me in general is that, you know, it really appears that we only care about the thought of helping children. It's so easy to wave your, you know, mostly I'll say Republican flag and say, oh, I'm here to save the babies or, Hey, you're pro-choice. So you're all about murdering babies when in all actuality with the amount of child trafficking we have in our state, with it being a, you know, major cross-section with 35 and 40, with the fact that we're number one in domestic violence and child abuse and all of these things, that just tells me, no, we're not really for the children. We're just for controlling women's bodies and liking to pretend like we care about the children, because if it was really about caring for the children, then we wouldn't have our current live breathing children in the predicaments that we're putting them in right now with our failing criminal justice system where most of their parents are imprisoned for ridiculous, you know, cannabis charges. And, you know, I could go on for days in that regard, you know, how passionate I am about oh, yeah. justice reform, but, and it just shows us at least in our state that we are really not for the child. Um, we need to address the situation with, you know, the people that we can actively affect on a day-to-day basis before we try worrying about, you know, the personal private decisions that women should be able to make between them and their doctors on what is best for their personal situation. Because at the end of the day, it's forced pregnancy. It's easy for people to say, because it is mostly men, no offense to you, and that have really strong opinions about, um, you know, abortion and and life, but they're not, it's easy for them to uh, run off and have a pack of cigarettes and then never come back. Women, we are physically carrying the baby. It physically changes your body. And if something were to ever happen, you know, I have two daughters and both of them have high functioning autism. If one of them were to be raped and they wanted to have that choice to not have to be forced to permanently change their body, you know, by carrying a baby that they are not going to be in a position to take care of, I'm not going to force them on that just because I feel from a morality standpoint that, you know, I have a better knowledge of what they should do with their life or their bodies than they should. And, you know, so it's not just standing up for me, even though I, you know, like I said, my tubes are tied. I have no skin in the game myself because, you know, with the, you know, short of a miracle, (laughs) I don't have to be worried about getting pregnant again, but I am absolutely going to fight for that right to have that decision for all the other women and young ladies and children out there. And I I think it's also important that while we talk about this choice, you know, as, um, this Supreme court, as the, uh, opinion was leaked, the draft of the opinion at least was leaked. Mm -hmm. The idea that we go to federalism, and and have all 50 states be able to make their own case as to how it goes there will be states where this is 
a majorly criminal activity um it's going to be interesting to see the way that that plays out where um you know miscarriages are are something that you know you have people that are visibly pregnant and then they miscarriage those are going to come under criminal scrutiny and and i, I you know you and i the last time we i had you on we were talking about the death penalty and we were talking about people's lives being destroyed like actually being ended innocently mm-hmm. and and we're going to see that when it comes to a woman now and when you have a a section or a state that that implements this and a woman has a an innocent miscarriage because let's face it uh, a fetus inside the belly is still an incredibly susceptible thing it's incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. There's so many things that can happen that we will see more lives get destroyed because people felt a certain way morally rather than feeling with compassion and trying to help build up our communities. There's so many things that we could be doing. Absolutely. Well, I've had two miscarriages myself. I had one at seven weeks, but then I had one at almost six months. Um, I had already knew I was having a boy. His name was Owen. And it was a super unfortunate thing where the umbilical cord got wrapped around his neck. And, um, I felt something was wrong. I went into the emergency room, um, here at Integris and there was no more heartbeat. Okay. And I had to do a DNC. So technically, I guess you could say I have had to have an abortion because that is how you have to handle those miscarriages is I had to have a DNC in order to, um, pass the child and how with as traumatic as that was for me, then imagine how traumatic it would be if, if that was now, wherein there would be an opportunity for someone to challenge me on whether I really lost my baby or if I just secretly had an abortion and how much more traumatizing that would be for a woman to have to prove that they had a miscarriage as opposed to, um, you know, just not having it be an issue at all. Like, I can't imagine if I would have had to have gone through that on top of the fact of of, uh, miscarrying a child that far along. Yeah, and... and you know, for people who haven't been in that, I mean, you know, that's gruesome for me because I've I've had plenty of friends and, and that have been through that. But if somehow somebody hasn't, I mean, just imagine when you lost a loved one, somebody who was walking around and, and you lost that loved one. And while you're still grieving, you had an officer walk up to you and be like, why'd you do it? it, it it's traumatizing. It, the grieving stage is such a hard part of life just for, for so many people and then to have a baby or a fetus or whatever we want to call it at the time to have a lost one this isn't an opportunity for us to to say now you need to have the government step in and i think that one of the other important things that when we talk about this um and this is where it gets really boring is the the idea that there are states that are looking at making life legally at conception or at six weeks or whatever that point is and it makes a very interesting thing because of the way the laws are already structured that at that point of once it's life you basically have to have this documented if that's why we have the the certificate of death and the certificate of birth the certificate of of death or dead birth or stillborn um is now you're literally open up this can of worms for more and more people to have the state intervene and and it it hurts my soul to see good libertarians on on so many issues stand there and say no we need to we need to codify this as this is the point of life and we need to make it a legal matter i i i 
I just look at how the state has handled so many of our other issues. I, I don't see how welcoming them into another aspect of our of, of our most personal and loving parts of our lives, how that's going to make any of this better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to a personal moral issue. It really does. And whenever, just like how they say it's really impossible to argue about religion in general, because it's something that you believe, right? So you know, we could go blue in the face, you know, about our different beliefs, um, because there's no, you know, you know, nothing tangible that we can like really argue with. It's about our faith. And, and that's why this abortion topic is so hot to people because, you know, it is highly moral based, but we cannot make laws and legislation based off of morality and them being the morality police. We just can't do it because then where are we going to draw the line, right? There's so many other things that, and, and, you know, we fail to remember because, you know, maybe it's because of the age that some of us were at that time, but we tried it. We made um, abortion illegal. And what we did was the mortality rate of women went through the roof. You know, that's why this whole thing happened in the first place is because just like we see with the war on drugs, prohibition doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't. I am all for less unplanned pregnancies. I am all for less abortions, but this is not the way to fix it. It's not all we're doing is we are disproportionately uh, targeting those who are low income. And if we really, really cared about there being less frequent um, unplanned pregnancies, we would address some of these issues that cause these problems about the, um, you know, not being able to um, have female sterilization that we request and not having all these hoops that we have to jump through and making birth control more accessible. And and all of these things that we kind of mentioned earlier, if if we really cared about... (laughs) women and cared about babies you know let's not you know let's actually fix the root of the problem not focus on you know the end result so to speak and you know i'm really really hoping that you know some things change legislatively um because this is going to be a a really serious backlash and you know essentially you know we feel like it's almost a war against women and you know it's pretty unfortunate that's happening yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think what's what's kind of is the winning issue on this is that if you look at a national polling of of how people view abortions, we we hear from the fringe groups. We hear from the fringe pro-choice and we hear from the fringe pro-life, but there are so many Americans out there that that kind of see this more for what it is and they say, "Look, it's it's not my decision. It it shouldn't be our, my decision." And and I think that, you know, as long as long as we're standing out here um saying you know people need to be able to live their lives and make the best decisions for themselves they may they may make a decision that they don't like that leads to another decision that they don't like but we need to be there to to help them and and to your point about you know we got to go to the root and we got to actually solve some of these issues a lot of people think that as soon as you you make as soon as you prohibit the uh abortions that suddenly all these problems are going away and as as you eloquently put out you know we're still going to have issues in the foster care system those are going to get exacerbated we're still going to have issues in the in the uh abortion or uh, in the adoption realm um kids are not going to be getting picked up but they're going to be over flooded there's going to be more needy people and and plugging back into the criminal justice system kids that are in and out of foster homes are much more likely to be going into the prison system because they don't have a a structured, uh, life, um, 
a structured family around them. Without a nucleus family, you're more likely to have that. And so there's so many aspects that we see where Republicans and Democrats typically try to nitpick at society and at the culture. And so many of these things are so interwoven with one another. And it's like, why don't we actually look at the root of some of these problems and actually try to address them, right? Republicans clearly have won out in Oklahoma, and they think that the death penalty is the way to to stop all the crime. But, you know, as you were talking about the last time you were on here, clearly that's not it. And you're getting it wrong more often than you're getting or not. You're getting it wrong enough to where it's a, a major concern. Right. Well, and one thing that you brought up a second ago that I'm actually going to segue back into when you were talking about we usually hear from the fringe groups, right, is that um, one thing that really irked me about um, Stitt signing this last bill was that he said, I'm speaking for all four million Oklahomans by signing the six week, um, you know, bill. But Amber Integrated, which is a group that does uh, political polling here, just in December did political polling asking that if Roe versus Wade was overturned, do Oklahomans think that there should be a complete ban on abortion? And even within the Republican Party, it wasn't over 40, uh, it wasn't over 50%. There was 48% that said yes, the rest either said no or undecided. And it was in some groups, you know, 70 and 60% saying no, no, no. Like, so no, I'm sorry, but a majority of us do not want a total ban on abortion, you know? Do most of us think that abortion should be used as like a just a, you know, come and go type of birth control? No, but we understand that there are too many gray areas that it shouldn't be up to you and I to decide what is a good reason to have an abortion, what a good reason isn't. It's between the woman and their healthcare provider, especially considering, you know, the, the issue with like the late term abortions, you know, 85% of abortions are done before 13 weeks, so in the first trimester. And the only ones that are really done after that are when the mother's health is in danger. So we are already, you know, women don't want to have an abortion after they already look like they're pregnant. They are already trying to get in, get in as quickly as possible to take care of the situation. Granted, we've created all these rules, like I said, and I, I also want to mention too, we as libertarians, we do not believe and federal funded abortions. We don't believe no. in uh, Planned Parenthood. We don't believe in any of those. We do think that it should be private entities and stuff that handle these. So we don't. We aren't even saying that U.S. taxpayers should have to put a dime on it, okay? Because there are nonprofits still take care of that, okay? You know. So we will say that we are against the federal funding of these programs, but they should be allowed and they should not be illegal. Yeah, and I. I put out a tweet um i think it was last week when this was all blowing up but it was like you know funding is certainly a concern for libertarians not a single taxpayer penny should go to either abortion providers or their counterpart companies so that that way it can get slushed over and, and enable these things but you know in order to try to help that you know of course the voluntary donations those should all become tax credits just straight off the top, like, you know, to allow for people the opportunity that they can fund what they believe in to help people get affordable health care um, when it comes to these matters or other forms of health care. It doesn't really matter to me. I, I think that, you know, moving it in the way of allowing the people to speak with their dollars on what is needed for society rather than having government just be able to, to slosh a bunch of money into different programs and, and allow for it to, to go wherever it may. Uh, actually give us the opportunity this is going to handle a lot of that that revenue issue that that you know people that are are adamant about pro-choice um that almost want you to scream from the rooftops about it 
this will help at least subsidize some of that because we've seen in the past and i remember um there was um I don't remember what the actress' name was, but she made large donations to Planned Parenthood under Mike Pence's name, and they made it very public. And I was like, you're proving that you don't need the tax money. You guys just continue to fund what you guys want, and, and we'll be all right. So, Absolutely. If it's something that's important to somebody, there is going to be a way to fund it. You know, we don't need the government to fund those things. And so when it comes down to it, you know, uh, you don't have to pay a single one of your tax dollars to support an abortion from somebody else. And if you don't want to have an abortion, don't have one. And, you know, at least allow women the right to choose when they want to become a mother and when they don't. And, um, you know, the, the argument, you know, well, when you have sex, that's just a risk that you take, you know, that's, you know, it's not the 40s or the 20s or anything like that anymore. It's 2022. Let's just be realistic. Yeah. And um, I would be willing to bet that most people I know did not save themselves till marriage. Okay. Accidents happen, but you know, most of the time when women are having these abortions, a lot of the ones that I know who have, which isn't very many, you know, cause it isn't, that's the thing. It's not like women are just having abortions all over the place. You know, these are situations where they were on birth control and it failed, you know, um, different situations arose themselves. And I will say that happens all of the time of my four children. Two of them are birth control babies. I will tell you that. Um, but mistakes, you know, mistakes happen and we have to allow women to choose what physically happens to their bodies and what doesn't. Yeah. Especially when you look at, at what childbirth does to a woman's body. I mean, it, it it's not, it's not just a matter of like, just looking at, and, and I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be gruesome with it. It's not just a matter of like the <laughs> vagina, just like shrink it back. And then you're, you're suddenly good. You know, like your teeth are, are ultimately weakened. Like it, this affects the entire woman's body and how it's structured and how it repairs and everything else. Multiple childbirth is is incredibly difficult. It's it's a it's considered a major trauma on the woman's body. So if a woman has already been through a lot, you know, my wife um, and I don't I, I don't like bringing up her medical health. We had my my daughter. A month later, she had heart surgery. A month later, she had open heart surgery. Her body could barely handle all three of those. And and having the discussion around her being able to handle just ha giving birth, you know, we, 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 we do all the things to make sure that we don't, but this puts her at a much higher risk. And so am I just not supposed to allow to, to have intercourse with my own wife? Is that, is that the standard society would like for me to have? Because I'll, I'll be honest, like it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a part of the marriage. Like we right. enjoy that time. Right, exactly. And, you know, and, and I'm sorry, you know, the argument that, you know, sex is only for uh, procreation, like, I hate that argument. And, and I hate to, you know, I'm sorry if anybody's children are in the room listening to this, but we're grown adults. And, you know, I believe in having, you know, straightforward conversations about things. But if, if sex was made for purely procreation, then it wouldn't be enjoyable. It wouldn't. I'm sorry. So, and there has been speak of you know sex from a recreational standpoint even as much as in the bible so it is not just out there for procreation i'm sorry and yes you know that is a side effect of having sex is becoming pregnant but that shouldn't mean that you know women are forced into that and you know there was a story actually of um that i had heard because obviously on facebook because this is such a thing everybody's sharing their personal stories with abortion and you know we as women are the ones that have to sacrifice when these things happen. You know, there was a story of a 
young lady and her boyfriend that are college students. They're both college athletes. And, uh, you know, she became pregnant. If she would have kept that, kept the pregnancy, she would have had to have quit her college sports career. Okay. Would the father have had to have done that? No, father's fine. Father's still living life just, you know, the way that he was. Should we have required him to, because she has to no longer play college sports because she has to physically carry the baby that as a sympathy that he should have to also play college sports because he doesn't have those same responsibilities as the mom? No, of course, that's ridiculous. But, you know, there are, you know, women are affected in such a different way than the man is in this situation. And that's just, the way it is, and I know that it's frustrating to people that, you know, we as women hold all the cards, but we're also the ones that have to hold all the risk. And, yes. you know, unfortunately, you know, that's just the way it is. It, it, it is one of those struggles. And, and all too often, I, I think it's so it's so bad um, when people downplay just how much of a difference there is when it comes to the genders in this. And I also think that... I'm kind of also frustrated because there's there is that section of people that say that men should have absolutely no say in this discussion at all. And I'm like, 1973 when Roe versus Wade was passed, it was passed by an all male SCOTUS. But like the good ideas are good ideas, and and we have to we have to look at that. But that doesn't mean that you know we have to say that there's equal risk in this, just as you had pointed out, because there is a lot more at stake when it comes to a woman being pregnant versus a, versus a man who pumped and dumped effectively. You know, he gets to, he gets to continue on with his life and, and he can, he can do whatever. And the court systems, we know how broken the court system is and, and how that's, you know, that's, that's a whole nother conversation of child support or child custody battles and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that that really brings in a lot more of the nuance of, of this conversation of how is it that somebody is going to tell somebody else what kind of a life that they have to live? Because, you know, you can say for nine months, I get to control you. You can't uh, abort a child, but for the next 18 years, 20 years, and, and probably looking like 30 years coming soon based on the economy, you know, you're stuck with these children. So your entire life, I've determined that you have to suffer for the next 30 years through these circumstances. And hopefully you're going to get it right. Or I'm going to criticize you even further. We have to, I think that there needs to be a lot more compassion when it comes to this conversation. And, and all too often it's just, blanketed i have an idea and therefore my idea is good and at the end of the day the best thing that we can do is just listen to the people that are in these circumstances and say i really don't know i don't know how well, I we had a situation of um, a woman here in oklahoma so and this is the kind of things that i think that we'll continue to see so two-part situations one um is the story of there was a woman who had a miscarriage but because she had um drugs in her system they decided to go ahead and charge her with murder. So that's something that's happening right now. So she had a miscarriage, but they believe it was due to the fact that she was on drugs. So that is what she's currently being charged for. And to my understanding, it could be manslaughter. I might be mixing the two, but she does have charges being pending for that. So there's situations like that, that we're going to see happen a lot more. Okay. And then on top of that, you know, we have situation where we do have women who have um, like mental health, issues where they're on medications for schizophrenia or things like that to where if they are not on those medications, okay, then, you know, they are at a severe risk to not only themselves, but others, but you also cannot take those medications safely while pregnant. So are we going to force them to then get off of their meds 
and become unsafe so that way they can give birth to a child? Or are they going to continue to take these medications and hope that it doesn't affect the baby? But by golly, if it does, then we're going to hold you accountable for that too. So there's, again, so many gray areas that are going to pop up. So we can't dictate yes or no. So we need to allow it and allow the individual choices that the women make that be between them, their doctor, and if, you know, and their God, if it is a situation where it's a morality thing for you. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the old saying of safe, legal, and rare, I, I think that the important thing is that we try to find ways to make it more rare when possible. We try to make it easier for people and we don't criticize those who make these incredibly hard decisions. We we've covered a lot of those circumstances where it's not easy on these people at all. And I think it's also important to know, and this is definitely an outlier for a lot of people, but there are people that are basically at the point of giving birth before they even realize they're pregnant. Um, because of the birth control that they're on, they don't have periods, so they don't have like a normal cycle, but they get pregnant and they don't realize it. As I said, this is a complete outlier, but now you have people in circumstances where now they're suddenly a parent and, and the shock that they go through. Now, of course, when you don't let people have abortions, they get the gradual buildup of that shock of, I have to live for the next 18 years, 20 years with a child and, and figure out my life and get things together. It's not so easy when it's a, a 16 year old. It's not so easy, you know, as a 16 year old girl, if, if you're having consensual sex with another 16 year old and you get pregnant, the idea that you're going to damn her schooling, she can't finish school because now she's got a kid and trying to juggle that. She's not going to be able to have a fulfilling career. Not many people are going to be attracted to her. And, and so she's going to struggle so severely that the opportunity has to be given for her or whatever circumstances she's in to be able to make the best decision for her life going forward. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm probably repeating myself way too much on this. But. I will say with that. Yeah, no, I will say with that. Okay. Obviously there are so many fantastic success stories of women who chose to keep their babies. Right of teenage moms that ended up, you know, doing fantastic and raising these fantastic children. By no means are we saying that young ladies are not fully capable and able, you know, to, you know, keep their children and be fantastic mothers. But the point is, though, they should be able to make that choice for themselves if they do feel like they are strong enough to do it or not, because we're not, we're seeing people that are in their late 20s having children that we should probably second guess whether or not they should have had children or not, you know? So it's, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a situation where it's, we're not saying all young ladies aren't capable. And yes, we do know there are some women who have been raped that decided to keep their babies. And we do know that there's some women that decided to keep their babies. And that's amazing. You yes. know, I love my children. I love being pregnant. I would, you know, I don't think that there would ever be a reason where I would ever personally have an abortion, no matter, you know, something happened to my husband or anything. Like I would probably, you know, because I love my children so much, but I'm not all women and all women are not going to, you know, have situations or react to situations the same way. You know, I personally, you know, was raped when I was 12 years old and thankfully I did not have very much trauma from it. I, you know, for whatever reason, like I, I went through a period of time, but I'm able to talk about it. I don't get triggered. And I use it as a really great example 
about how we're not having certain conversations with our children. And, and that's something that, you know, I could do a whole podcast over about how we don't prepare our children, um, our young ladies for um, certain things the way we should, but not, I know, I know women who have been raped around the same age that still have nightmares to this day. So, I mean, there's every single situation affects people very differently and you can't make a decision for that person based off of how you feel or how you would handle it because you are not that person and they are not you. We have to let people make the decisions that they know are best for them and their family. Yeah. Everyone's an individual. You don't know like where they came from, how they got where they are, how they're going to respond, how they've responded to other things. Blanketed statements don't work. Um, and and with the society stacking the decks against everybody in in our societies, and and of course on the show we've covered you know how how hard it is to start up a small business. We've talked about the criminal justice system being stacked against uh, certain demographics and certain populations. We've talked about um, you know just the education system being a, a an absolute failure in the public side. Uh, there's so many things out there that you don't get to to force people into a shitty situation because you yourself was in a sh- shitty situation. Just say you, I support you regardless of which way you choose. It's amazing when you have success stories. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see people fail. And, and, you know, eventually the empathy has got to win out in the day. And, you know, it, it's, it's incredibly important. This has been such a, an incredible conversation. We haven't, there's been no one screaming in the comment section uh i've been i've been learning so much from you um I, we got we're coming up about I'm surprised I, I really expected there to at least be a couple people that are like you just love killing babies or you know stuff like that when when it when it comes down to it's like guys it's it's all out of love you know what i mean like if you're on both sides we just either it's just a matter of whether you have an outward love more for the women that are having to go through these issues or for those unborn babies i Feel in, I really feel in my heart that when some of these things are done, I do think it happens with the best of intentions, but we just don't really think through all the things it affects and really think through, you know, how doing one thing negatively impacts so many other things because you just don't understand it the way, same way somebody else does. Yeah. So, and I, I think that that's a, it's a really important note there of like, you're doing this with good intentions. Um, because people are, imagine being in a circumstance that you're not comfortable where you are in your life and then finding out you're pregnant. People are not making this lightly, as we said. They're trying to make the best decision for themselves and and they're trying with the best intentions and all that they need. They don't need to see you on Facebook, you know, shouting them down or shouting other people down who've had abortions. If you want to build connections, if you want to build that compassion, that empathy with people around you, you have to be welcoming for people to make decisions that maybe you wouldn't make yourself, but you're going to support them through that. And and so I, I you know, I want to thank you so much, Natalie, for, for coming on. I want to give you the last couple of minutes to give you about five minutes or so to plug plug everywhere that we can find you, um, anything that you got coming up. And, and of course, give you last last words on this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you having me on yeah, Spike and I, we've been playing tag where he had something come up and then I had something come up and then he had something. Come up. And so, um, having the ability to talk about this while it's still so relevant and fresh on everybody's minds, I think is really important. 
Um, when it comes to myself or anybody that is interested in all of my stances outside of abortion, uh, you can visit my website, which is electnataliebruno.com. On there, it'll have my issues. You can volunteer. Um, you don't even have to be in the state of Oklahoma to help my campaign. Believe me when I say there are many things that you can do, um, even if you're in South Carolina or Maine or anything like that. Um, you know, there is a job for you here. Uh, this has been so far a fantastic libertarian campaign. Um, my ultimate goal is obviously to win. Um, you know, but if by some crazy chance I don't, I do expect to pull some of the best numbers that a libertarian has ran. So, you know, having the opportunity for people to come and join me and be part of that, you know, I'd be really fortunate to have um, any extra people that I can. Um, I also have Facebook, which is at Natalie Bruno LP. I'm on Twitter at Natalie Bruno. I'm also on Clubhouse, TikTok, Instagram, all of the things. So come find me. And then if you have any additional questions or if you want my, um, you know, stance on, you know, specific verticals within this issue, reach out to me. I am not one of those candidates that give political answers where I don't really tell you my stance on an issue. I just dance around it even if it's a hard topic like tonight, or even if it is something that I don't think is gonna be the most popular stance, I'm gonna tell you because I would much rather voters know exactly where I stand than to allow the media or other people to, to guess based off of you know the political affiliation that I have. So thank you so much for having me on and uh, talking about this very passionate you know issue that we are all facing right now. Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on and I, I am so excited. Everything I've looked at and, and seen from you is just, it's immaculate. It's perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see you actually become the first governor elected um, as a libertarian. This is, this is coming. Um, so everyone, please do go to uh, elect Natalie Bruno. Uh, I did spell it correct. Uh, elect Natalie Bruno.com. Uh, show her some support, show her some love, ask her questions. Um, see if if you can get her to post publicly about the questions you ask you know get her to get her stances out there encourage her let her know what's on your mind so that she can be the best candidate that she can be and and that's only through your support um so please get out there and help her out i i my endorsement means nothing but i would endorse you for anything that you're running for um you have a thumb this time <laughs> they don't know that joke. that's why i didn't do it over here see <laughs> oh the the ghost thumb um (laughs) but thank you so much for joining me tonight and uh i'm looking forward to to seeing more success from you and everything else and i'm looking forward to having you back on thank you have a good night and a good weekend all right thank you all right what an incredible conversation that was i'm so excited every time i get to talk to natalie she is as she said she's incredibly approachable you can ask her about anything she will be there she'll give you those answers and um, she's going to take care of Oklahoma. So make sure you guys get out there. You support her. If you're in Oklahoma, go support her. Go canvas for her. Go help her. Make sure that she is the next governor of Oklahoma. Um, if you're outside the state, donations are available. Go ahead. Just make sure you're not violating uh, FEC laws by the contributions that you're trying to send her. But make sure you're following those. But get over there to electnataliebruno.com. But as for the conversation tonight, I mean, this is the nuance. This is the thing, right? We both come from the pro-life side on this conversation, but we understand that there has to be compassion. There has to be empathy. We have to look at the circumstances and understand that there's too much volatility. There's too many 
too many different aspects, too many gears shifting around for us to be able to make a one size fits all. This doesn't work in education. This doesn't work in healthcare. This doesn't work in the criminal justice system. So why would it work in the abortion sector? Um, you know, so incredible conversation tonight. I am invigorated to continue pushing out there and, and talking about this. Um, but the show's only an hour long. So I want to thank you guys all for being a part of tonight. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation. I see a lot of you guys joining in in the comment section. Thank you guys for so much for the support there and uh, love you guys. Appreciate you guys all. But if you guys want to tune in next week, next Tuesday night, muddy waters of freedom with spike and Matt, as they traverse the current events, uh, it'll be a great show. Of course, Wednesday night and maybe, maybe Natalie's coming back for another uh, good conversation with spike Cohen on my fellow Americans. Thursday night will be Matt Wright with the writer's block. And then Friday we'll be back here with Nate Banks talking about um, messaging and uniting with unlikely allies in order to be successful in, um, in our intentions and in our legislation. So a hell of a show lined up next week, all week long. Make sure you guys are tuning in. Thank you guys so much for being here. Make sure you guys head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied water, subscribe to get a part of the exclusive group and get a part of all those good things. But with that, I hope you guys all have a great weekend. I'll see you guys all later. Be well, be good, and stay good. Appreciate y'all.